the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 8 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. And this is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, the fight we are talking about. UFC on ESPN 8 this Saturday, recording it Friday afternoon, West Coast uh, Pacific Time. Was uh, recording it just before noon, but had to re-record it. I will save you the reasons you guys don't care. It has been a day from waking up and almost having a Ray Liotta from Goodfellas, my neighbor, uh, to uh, to to just everything else from the chaotic weigh-ins and possible swaps, which we'll talk about here on the show. Because as per usual on this show, the Protecting Neck podcast, uh, we will break down the fights from top to bottom, and I will recap my picks and plays at the very end of the episode if you're in a rush. No harm, no foul. I wouldn't want to listen to me uh, for longer than I have to either. You're not offending me at all. However, I do suggest you check the show notes, whether you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or YouTube. Uh, always in the show notes section, I will timestamp in case you want to just jump right to the breakdown. And you do kind of want to hear my voice. See, just like my breakdowns at MMA Junkie, I offer you layers on how deep do you want to go. No harm, no foul. If you don't want to take the full Willy Wonka ride. Uh, we're going to start off with a recap after um, I answer uh, a quick question from a listener that I owed, and it's a betting-related question, so it's still related to a betting breakdown uh, show. And thank you again for uh, supporting the show. Apologies for putting up with me, and and, 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 and it's, been, it's been another crazy week. going to throw out the caveat once again that just like these fighters didn't do their normal camps, I didn't do my normal preparation either. So, uh, as it reflects in my picks, albeit we'll get to in a second, I did, on the positive, much better from a betting perspective this last card. Still, it's no secret, man. My picks, uh, I always come clean. I put myself out there, which people don't realize, especially, you know, me being media slash, you know, on that public end and not, you know, uh, charging for my things to profit on, on a personal end. All I'm doing when I, you know, tweet and live tweet is um, kind of opening myself up to criticism and to look wrong. Uh, I granted, there's a lot of you guys giving a lot of kind words. I think one of them ended up on the broadcast, and a bunch of y'all were just giving nothing but kind words. And one the the the, the occasional card where like I'll lack my tweets, y'all will be like, "Hey, where's Dan Tom at?" And you know what, man? It's a nice reminder to feel to feel like you're wanted uh, <laughs> and uh, it helps me get up because again kind of like you could hear with my tude of having to re-record and uh, I'm overdue to getting some some fisticuffs action boy I got some Hawaiian in me don't don't let the book don't judge a book by its cover I, 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 I love me some fighting and uh, before this quarantine started of course you know your boy was already long overdue to get back on the mats so I, I've got a bit of angst and energy forgive me but know that I am I am grateful as much as I'm apologetic 
I am I am also grateful, and I just want to thank you guys before we get going. Thank you. I won't list the, the complete shouts or the list of what's been being bought, but those of you who are clicking through the website, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, to help keep this podcast free, uh, clicking through the Amazon banners for all your Amazon shopping, or clicking through the Onnit banners for all your health, food, and nutritional supplement shopping, or if you're just leaving kind donations, even if it's just a dollar through the PayPal, it's all appreciated. And what's even more appreciated, believe it or not, is, is the thing you can do for free that those of you, again, have been doing. You guys are freaking awesome. Um, yeah, uh, you know, just shouting, sharing the podcast when it comes out, even when it's like within these 24 hour editions. And I know I'm not the only one. We're all, we're all hustling. We're all grinding folks. I ain't trying to play a violin. You guys know what's up. And, uh, it is appreciated. Listener of the show. Love to travel on Twitter at lineman 19. Um, I keep forgetting to answer him. So, uh, he just wanted some bankroll advice. Any advice or tips on money management? Do you bet the same amount on every fight? Also, what percent of your salary are you comfortable with risking in a year? That's a serious question that I thankfully don't have to worry about because uh, I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't risk a lot, folks. Spoiler alert. Or do you go on a month to month by betting, a, you know, an aside amount to play with? I enjoy it and I don't want to quit. However, if I do it the way I did years ago, I'll be broke. I want to mimic the Vegas style I did where I brought an amount I was okay with. That's a few vacations a year. How do you manage it daily when you live in a state where it's legal? Um, like I told you, if there's a bet that I really liked, um, I would, and I, and I had some cash laying around, uh, I, I'm not shy about going to the counter. And I'll let you guys know when I do. That's very rare and even rarer these days, not just with the, the quarantine, COVID, and, you know, uh, pay adversities that me and many of my fellow colleagues are going through, uh, but, you know, uh, also not doing the daily show and MMA Junkie Radio on the sports book anymore. It's a lot less enticing, right? However, we are all in that digital age where it is legal in some sense. Uh, so in that regard, I only go by a card-by-card scenario, which maybe I should rethink more from a month-to-month and yearly perspective. Um, which I do suggest everybody do with regardless of what they're spending their money on. Uh, but yeah, especially with the UFC picking up its schedule quietly, not so quietly within the last five years, but, uh, with what this year is going to look like, um, in, in, with the UFC in makeup mode. So it's really good to manage your bankrolls folks. Thankfully, um, I, I bet like, uh, you know, I talk about the podcast being free and stuff, and even if I do do a Patreon, the reason why the, the, these breakdown shows are still going to remain free um, is because, <laughs> like, like the picks, uh, like my picks have been lately. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, the you know, uh, betting, analyzing, and picking fights are three different things. And say what you will, uh, I'm not, I'm not casting hate or, or shade on the people who charge or are doing that hustle. Even though you know it might not be for me, uh, they do do it for a reason. Because when it comes to that perspective of it, um, yeah, the, the, those people are better than your boy here, and you ain't gonna get any argument from that. And I've never been shy to recommend those people. However, um, yeah, as this kind of week's been a reminder, and I apologize if I'm stammering, folks. Cause I have to re-record, so it's like, what did I say? What didn't I say? But as I answer, love to travel. I also want to address. This is more less listeners of the show, maybe. I would hope, uh, and more Twitter people, because they see me tweet my picks and stuff and my analysis for the cards, and um, and yeah, like, you guys, um, you guys, uh, 
where I've been asking, like, why my picks have been off, and that's fair, you know, uh, even though I think I'm still technically number one in junkie staff picks, as I normally am, uh, 80 to 90% of the year. Um, but you know how that goes. Um, I, I always lose it at the end. Neither here nor there. But the point is, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not one to bump my chest. And I just try to tweet honest analysis, which the fact that I don't charge for a personal profit and I'm public for, uh, you know, professional uh, on a professional platform, it pretty much just invites criticism and more negative than positive, albeit. Yes, one of the tweets got on the broadcast, and more importantly than that, it was just kind of cool to see you guys care about it. I was just like, uh, but like just to see everybody else care and be like, oh, Dan, Tom, I love his analysis, gets his, or whatever, just like that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, man, you guys are fucking too kind. Like, um, And that stuff actually, you know, I, I try to downplay it and be self-deprecating, but on days like today where I'm clearly having a hard time, um, your guys' love uh, means a lot, whether it's just silly tweets or support of this podcast. So thank you all for, for that at Dan Tom and May at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. And again, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. But yeah, I'm always going to be honest back to the bankroll question about what I do. And um, I don't front about my unit size, folks. I, I'm not kidding when I say I bet like a nine-year-old with an allowance. I keep a very, very, very small amount. Um, I limit myself to maybe one serious parlay, and again, it's going to be a very small amount. It's going to be a two-leg if I like it. Otherwise, I will limit myself to maybe two parlays, which I haven't even been doing that lately, and the other one will be like five bucks on my main card picks, like something really stupid, folks. And again, I've admitted this to y'all before. I mainly play straight plays, though. It's probably 80% straight plays these days, and uh, I will snipe with some props. I've got some fun ones I'm going to give you, but again, I will give you the warning do not jump off a cliff with me in general. I always say that, but especially in these times where my prep um, hasn't been normal. And again, folks, you know, like kind of like I tweeted, um, a lot of our presumptions, first of all, it's a fighting during a pandemic, during an unprecedented time. I think we should all cut the fighters, um, the refs, the corner, everybody will talk about, uh, will crit- criticize what we're due. We'll definitely talk about that. But at the same time, overall, I, I don't think it would hurt for all of us to kind of carry the mantra uh, to remember a mantra of cutting people some slack during what are unprecedented times and yeah man just like the fighters performances are going to be a little bit offbeat shit man so are my picks i ain't gonna hide it nor can i again i'm one of the few people out there tweeting my picks with uh with my ugly face on there with the old check mark so you know it's me so it does <laughs> it, it's it's more negative than positives from my perspective because um, you know i'm so positive um, so yeah, but, uh, but, but yeah, um, that's what I do folks. And, and again, you're like, why is a media member? Well, that's up for debate. Uh, I know plenty of media members that bet or write betting columns that are actual journalists. I am not a journalist. I do not claim to be one folks. Uh, I am a martial artist, a competitor and a fan who, uh, got into this by accident. I'm not going to get in that story now, but, but yeah, I dance in a gray area, not trying to flaunt it. Not trying to use it as a as a deflect all shield, um, but um, but that, that that is my perspective and where I come from, and I have fun and, and, and play some friendly wagers that I will gladly share with you on this show. Speaking of wagers, let's get on to the UFC Jacks recap. Um, all right, we went. Uh, how did we do in picks? One and zero, two and zero, two and one. Johnson did not defeat Tiago Moises. <laughs> uh, two and two, three and two, four and two, five and two, five and three, five and four. Wow, five and five, really bad in picks. However, 
uh, as far as the plays did, did pretty good. I think we did, um, I, I added Benitez and I added Rothwell. And since one of those hit and one of those didn't, that was essentially a wash. Or I added, yeah, Orlovsky, and I added Benitez. One of those hit, one of those didn't, so that was a wash. However, um, even though Borg also missed, Rothwell hitting uh, for plus 115 and a half a unit, and Dober hitting at minus 120 for a whole unit, as well as the guiltiest over in history, which we'll talk about, Smith Teixeira, over 2.5 for plus 10 and a half a unit, uh, put me on a positive for the night. So, uh, of course, Glover Teixeira defeated Anthony Smith. I felt dumb for not picking this the whole time. Maybe it was one of those things you just... Uh, you get one thing in your head and you want to go the other way, or I don't know where I, I went wrong on this one. Um, although Anthony Smith showed why he was the favorite early and why a lot of people were picking on him, picking him because he did do that damage early. But Glover is dog as a dog man. Shout out to the MMA Analysis podcast; they were right on with that. Uh, the Garage Weight Champion, as they deemed it, don't want to don't want to rip their names. Um, just want to give them their due there. Uh, however, at least I could, even though I got the pick wrong. Um, I guess I could celebrate in cashing, but man, it shouldn't have hit. Like if if I had this ticket for the over, folks. Like I was, I remember looking at the clock, going, "This this uh, this over is fifty seconds away, and this fight should have been stopped probably like thirty seconds ago." There's no way this over was gonna hit. I would have ripped that ticket up, <laughs> literally, <laughs> which would have added some irony for that card. And of course, it, it kept going. If you read my tweets, you know where I stood. I was pretty much with you all. Um, it, it, I didn't think it was going to make it to the end of the round, and if it did, uh, fourth going into the fifth, it should have. Uh, it should have. It, it should have been stopped there, um, and it wasn't. Um, I don't want to harp on it, like Anthony Smith said. You know, waste our energy in, in other places, and like many of us predicted, you know, um, you know, no one's going to be, you know. The fighters aren't going to blame the corner, nor should they. It just was, uh, it was, it was hard to watch, man. It was really, maybe that's added to my mood too, because it really took a lot out of me, really like enjoyment, to be honest. It was a really good card, and um, it was hard to watch, and it sucked because I like both guys, Glover and Anthony. I say it in the breakdown, I said it on the show. They're both really like gems of human beings. Glover is like fucking the nicest of nice guys. Anthony Smith, one of the first people to shout this podcast out. Mark Montoya, uh, the guy I, 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 I've been, you know, championing his name since, like, early 2018. Um, then he started getting his due in 2018, 2019. His team put together really good runs. Uh, unfortunately, this isn't the first time he's been under this criticism, though. And I'm not going to protect him from it. because, or Not that I could, but or would. But uh, the criticism is, is just, you know, they're gonna, I'm hoping they learn from this. At the same time, kind of like what I said um on Twitter, and as we get to Jason Herzog, who again he also deserves blame as well. Uh, somebody else, sadly, have been pumping up, and these are these are really smart guys who I'm a big fan of. And this still happened. I mean, if that tells you anything, folks, you know what I'm saying. And um, and like I tweeted on Twitter uh, with Jason Herzog, who by the way just was humility and just had a nice little thing and just pretty much accepted blame for it and took took accountability. Um, like just. You know, I think we all should just kind of ease up on on wanting to to, 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 to burn people with the torch, if whether they're at fault or not. You know, um, I don't know what I don't know what it, it doesn't change the fact that someone still took damage. You know what I'm saying? The damage has already been done. Um, the best we can do is all learn from it. And I, whether or not you agree, I don't think Herzog deserves all the the blame. Like his statement said, I'm not saying I agree with that. However, I do like that the fact that just 
Jason was being, you know, showing humility, something this whole world could use more of. And he was more importantly showing honest accountability, which is something we're always saying the judges and the officials, the commissions in general. Well, what are we saying they lack, folks? Honesty and accountability. What's what's Herzog out there doing? So in that sense, I really do appreciate uh, the sentiment Herzog tried to send out, albeit I don't agree with the blame. I do appreciate the sentiment um, because everybody was kind of to blame. And um, that was really tough to watch, man, as somebody who just knows people who's taken head trauma, as somebody who hasn't had to have been in a pro fight to have taken life-changing head trauma, and as somebody who's currently helping take care of their mother who had a whole different kind of head trauma and watching like my mom rebuild her speech and all these things and like just just kind of seeing another layer of how delicate the brain is and what we kind of do to the brain and celebrate to the what happens to the brain in the sport yeah man I'm not going to be one to deny the hypocrisy it's like that Warner Herzog quote that was going around on Twitter like <laughs> It is my, against my, my passion is against my better judgment. <laughs> That's my poor Werner, Werner Herzog impression. But yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how I feel. Sorry, folks, downer note, but uh, Drew Dober defeated Alexander Hernandez, went down kind of how we thought, uh, which sucks for Marky Mark from fear. But good on Dober, seems like a good dude and, and a handsome devil. The handsomeness is clogging up my timeline, goddammit, but he deserves it. <laughs> Ricky, Simon, a name favorite, regardless of whether or not I pick him on the Protecting Act podcast. Um, rightfully wrestled his way. Should have been unanimous. Don't see how that was a split. Although, uh, I do appreciate Borg's uh, newfound boxing, but like Borg said, he forgot how to wrestle. Um, not sure it would have mattered with that size difference. You forget how big Montel Jackson is, you know, looking at Ricky Simone. Um, Tiago Moises Kaufman defeated, uh, Michael Johnson, my main man. Typical Michael Johnson's just, you know, short out, shout out to, uh, <laughs> Lord Honky Humongous and, uh, as well as Shaq from Half the Battle, he uses that, uh, stunt master. I used to play that J- Jackie Chan stunt master game and people were talking about, uh, <laughs> Talking about fighters pulling stunts from a betting perspective, and when when someone says that, at least I'm guessing, uh, is pretty much when a fighter <laughs> is doing really well and doing what they should do from a betting perspective, and they give it away, and they do this. They've got their habitual line stepper, as Charlie Murphy would say, and uh, Michael Johnson definitely has has earned earned that. And I let you guys know I love Michael Johnson too, man. He's he's one of the fighters where I'll go out of my way to say hi to, not because it's like, oh, man, boy, I know a fighter. I'm backstage. I'm cool. Like, no. Like, he's been in Junkie Radio a bunch. He's got good rapport with my co-host, George and Ghost. And he's, he's a nice dude. Um, so uh, it's no disrespect to Michael Johnson. But, yeah, he's definitely earned himself that reputation amongst gamblers. So he uh, he earned himself on the cover of uh, Stuntmaster this past week. Um. Props to Moises again, you know, we're just criticizing, you know, people criticizing, you know, again, a lot we can criticize too, especially in corners or Eddie Bravo, uh, but people criticizing Eddie Bravo for telling Tony Ferguson to him an role and throw the Hail Mary when clearly everything wasn't working for Tony in that fight, right? And obviously it didn't work. Tony was too damaged and Justin's a guy who you, that might not work anyways, even if Tony was fresh. 
for what that's worth, folks. But, you know, again, ease up. I think we could all ease up on the gas on criticizing folks and ease up on the gas because Tiago Moises goes out here and he doesn't Imanari. You know, he, uh, you know, goes for a single leg and drops down to like an ankle lock variation. Um, uses like a knee reap initially, like he was going to go for a heel hook, which I believe debased Johnson. I don't know if D. Johnson couldn't spin out because of the fence, but either way, he wasn't doing a lot of leg lock principles like peeling and to go with the spin and other things uh, to go with it. So <clears throat> who knows? But Moises shows why that is a move and that's worth doing, uh, folks, when the fight's not going your way. So good on him. Uh, Rothwell OSP. Weird, but forward pressure went there. Uh, shout out to Derek Love. Uh, who took that third round shot, which, you know, even though it didn't cash, and hindsight, it wasn't bad, although OSP is just always interrupting sample sizes and not making sense with his style because he'll just rock you in those rounds when he's gassed and tired and losing. Andre Orlovsky defeat Felipe Lins. Look at that old dog, Orlovsky, man. I know it's not fun to watch, but I can't help but laugh watching the chinny guy start winning just all these decisions at the end of his career and adding new tricks. Uh, Sajar Eubanks defeated Sarah Moraz. Didn't watch this one too heavily. It was in transition with some things around the house. Uh, Omar uh, continues to surprise and impress, uh, defeating Gabriel Benitez. I was biased as hell. Um, I had no issue with Omar, the, the scorecard going to Omar or whatever. I just I felt like um, I was surprised, you know, uh, Moore didn't see it for uh, Benitez. But, again, you're countering and throwing body shots and – like we saw at UFC uh, 247, um, the similar judging uh, that night. You aren't going to get credit for that, folks. And uh, Morales did uh, land the more powerful shots. God damn that shin pin. Ugh. Ugh, throwing up thinking about it. Shouts to Boom Kelleher. It was nice to see him. Uh, knocks out uh, Brian Butler, MMA manager, Hunter Azure. Shouts to Gorgeous George for that. I can't get that out of my head. Chase Sherman defeated Ike Villanueva in just a fight that I pretty much just picked by flipping a coin. All right, that wraps up that timestamp. 22, Jesus, Dan. All right, let's go through fast. I didn't do too much tape study. Uh, a lot of my tape study was in the early of the week because that's another thing, folks, being all over the place. Um, our, the outlet wants our picks. We had to get our picks all in early this week, so it was just kind of a shit show. Um, I couldn't really go through my process. So, as I pull up odds here, UFC. I'm pulling it up at five dimes unless another betting house wants to uh, get their betting house plugged in this podcast on a weekly basis for a really cheap price. Hint, hint. <laughs> Otherwise, I will, uh, you know what? I will not, I will not, I will quote no place. What? I said five crimes. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> Free, free plugs here. Enough free plugs on this show, right? Uh, Walt Harris, minus 140. Alistair Overeem, plus 120. My breakdown's on Junkie. You don't need me to go into this uh, too crazily. Alistair Overeem, 3-2-1 against UFC-level lefties. Hasn't fought any in a while. Frank Mir is the last one you can count that he fought, like seven years ago. Um, but in that seven-year time, uh, in and around that seven-year time since... Alistair Overeem has been dropped or stopped nine in his last 16, nine of his last 16 fights. Um, just troublesome against the heavy-hitting, athletic uh, Walt Harris. Um, 
He's got some tie kicks and knees. He really works off that cross. He's got the check hook. Uppercuts. Um, he's got a jab he'll throw out there. Can't sleep on the ream, man. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if even if Overeem won this in the feet, you know. Um, we've seen uh, Walt Harris be tagged before. Nikita Krylov, right? 205-er. Uh, head kicked him, right? Um, but, you know, I, Walt Harris, you know, like like a lot of heavyweights do, you get thrown in there early and it's sink or swim. And uh, it looked like he was going to sink for a second, but he swam his way back to shore. And um, now it's kind of hard to deny we're all rooting for him here, right? You don't need me to talk about, uh, uh, you know, the stuff with his uh, stepdaughter and I. It's really sad. And uh, I feel bad for Walt. And I, even Alistair to a certain extent because these guys can't even, you know, if fighting isn't hard enough, Fighting during a pandemic and unprecedented times isn't hard enough. These guys got to answer that question with that on their conscience. Obviously, in different ways. Obviously, more heavy and heartfelt on Walt's side. But I'm just saying, you know, I mean, how hard must it be, man? I mean, even just listening to the interviews, I'm having a hard time. Like, like, you know, and you got to talk about it. I'm not hating on anybody who's doing their job. My colleagues who do great jobs in interviewing, I'm not hating or throwing shade by any means, but I'm just saying, if I'm being honest, it's just, fuck, man. I'm having a hard time listening to this. Could you imagine them having to fucking keep their composure and now they got to go fight? So I'm wishing both guys best, but I think Walt Harris knocks Alistair Overeem out late in the first, early in the second. In the video, they break down, I say, uh, the second round in my, my written portion, I noticed I said late in the first. Again, folks, it's been all over this week. We're, we're hustling to try to... Get you in content analysis or whatever our beats are. So my pick is Harris. Um, my, I, I, I can't I can't touch that fight with money on a on a clean conscience. So no place. Angela Hill minus one uh, plus one eighty underdog. Uh, Claudia Gadelia minus two twenty. Money coming in on Gadelia. I get it, man. As much as I like Angela Hill, and I was you know catching some flack for saying that I want to see her in bigger matchups uh, before this. Specifically, I wanted to see her against Jacek. Um, and people laughed at that, uh, but I think she would be more competitive with Ian Jacek, uh, than Gadelia stylistically. And I don't think that's going out on a stretch. I know Gadel uh, Angela Hill's gotten better, but how much better has she gotten? I mean, even facing Loma Lokpung Mi, Lokpung Mi, uh, and in her last fight, the Thai fighter. And again, I'm one of the people who, who uh, try to try to remind people that Muay Thai, um, there's a lot of wrestling, neck wrestling, clinch wrestling, etc., a lot of grappling. Foot sweeps, trips, uh, aspects of grappling, head to toe, literally, in Muay Thai that people shouldn't overlook. And the good Muay Thai fighters who have came over uh, have reminded, um, even in the likes of Valentina Shevchenko, right, to Loma uh, Lokmong, me, as she uh, sweeped and got down and took top position on Angela Hill and was able to beat her in those positions despite being an undersized atom weight, you know? And I'm not trying to throw shade on either ladies by that, but you can't help but, but take that into account that she's going against one of the stronger grappling and wrestling threats in Claudia Gadelia. Now, I have faded Gadelia, and I don't blame people for not being confident in Gadelia because of her confidence and gas tank. You know, you kind of see it in the way she's babied in corners, whether it was like, um, and not that Pedanaire's babies anybody, but that version of it, or I think Latrell, when she was under Latrell Yee. Um, you know, to Henry, when you even hear on the, the commentary, 
not so much Henry, but like, but just maybe the way she was handled as the commentary alluded to when talking about um, the preparation with Mark Henry's camp as, you know, doing that thing where you hate to hear it, uh, the flags of a fighter where they're saying, you know, I just need my space. I, I don't need a game plan. I just need to react and be me. And it's, I don't know if it's ego, laziness, insecurity, a mixture of it. And I'm not saying those to be disparaging um, toward Claudia. I like Claudia guy, uh, folks. Uh, I'm just, I'm being honest here and critical because it is something that we see all the time and it does not produce results. In fact, the results it does produce would be along the lines of the things that I just casted and said, right? So it's something you have to take into account that's very worrisome. You know, she didn't seem like she was able to really go out to Jersey, obviously, for this camp training here in Vegas. Looks to be in great shape, but Claudia always looks to be in great shape. That's not really the problem, is it? Um, that being said, just seeing what counter right hands can still hit uh, Angela uh, when she's coming in and seeing that. And even Angela in the post fight, she's like, I got to work on my wrestling and go back to square one or something. I mean, she was honest about it. And props to Angela. That's why we love her because of her honesty, right? Um, and I'm an Angela Hill fan. I'm rooting for her to do well here. I just think that Claudia Gadelia, even at this stage slash uncertain stage, is still on paper the the toughest, if not one of the toughest matchups for her in this division. Um, not as tough as like a Tatiana Suarez, but within striking distance of three, three, three matchups there. You know what I'm saying? Like a top three toughness matchups. So I don't blame anybody wanting to parlay Godelia here. Uh, I may. I, I haven't. I'll, I, I'll probably just stay away. Um, next fight, Edson Barbosa, minus 140, who successfully made weight, by the way. Uh, versus Dan Ige, plus 120. Now, Edson, his voice didn't sound like it changed, but, man, he just had that machinist vibe, you know, where he's kind of just like, uh, what's going on? Like, he just looks like he's weak, even though he's not leading on to be saying he's fine, even given the I told you show so's, but, dude, his frame looks shrunken down, like, which he had to have done, because there was no, there was no fat that he was going to lose. And... You know, it's that whole. It's got the whole Jose Aldo vibes. Even uh, Fernando Prates was saying, like, sounded like the exact Jose Aldo quote that Edson gave. Like, oh, I never cut that. Believe it or not, I didn't cut that much weight to make a 155. I really just didn't diet. I just, you know, da -da -da, like it just sounded like pretty much exactly what Aldo said. And you know, Aldo still went out there, and regardless of not whether I thought you won the fight, he was durable and. Um, Still had umph in the third round for whatever that's worth, you know. Um, so dangerous to count out Edson. In fact, now that he's made weight successfully, and even though he looked like fucking Skeletor, I don't blame people betting Edson. However, don't follow me off the cliff because no matter what I say is going to be biased regardless. But I'm with my dude Dan Ige there. Um, you know, not just the Hawaiian from Extreme Couture bias, but even though Ige doesn't use his uh, offensive wrestling as much as you might think with his credentials. Um, you know, he gets in these, like, back-and-forth scramble sessions and these attritional grappling, uh, grappling battles as opposed to straightforward grinds. He really likes to throw his hands. Thankfully, his technical skills have been coming along with it, especially his left hook, man. And, in fact, um, if you look at it, left hands in particular, uh, something that... Um, uh, you know, Barboza's worked on his left hand, but, you know, aside from getting blitzed with right hands by wrestlers, left hands have been a common culprit for Barbosa. And I can't help but seeing Dan Ige's left hook um, testing that chin and possibly knocking him out. I played Dan Ige straight up 
uh, for a unit at uh, plus 140 um, when he was there, uh, I believe. Either that or my handwriting is really sloppy and it's a plus 120. Uh, either way, um, I took Danny Ige here. However, you got to worry. Ige does, you know, it's like, I you know, I don't know if I'll, you want to say gassing. I could see critics using that, but he does slow down during the second round, regroup, and he'll come back on round three. But my worry is if he slows down in the second round with a Barbosa, um, does Barbosa take over there? I mean, even being dominated by Kevin Lee and uh, Habib, Edson Barbosa was still able to land spin kicks in the third round. Now, Habib's, it wasn't as clean, and Habib was able to just eat it, whereas um, Kevin Lee did the stanky leg, right? Uh, but still, the point is, Barbosa is live in those later rounds, so that's what scares me, and that's what's got to scare you if you are an Ige supporter here. Um, of course, I'm going to take the shot on Ige. I like where his pressure, his confidence his state of readiness uh, of how he was able to train, uh, whereas Barbosa having to make this insane cut during these pandemic times, um, you know, against a durable Hawaiian, I, I don't know about that. That being said, I do think Ige needs to watch out for what uh, Daryush got hit with on um, the knees, with his dipping propensities and, in the pocket, both striking and wrestling. Uh, sorry about the dogs there. But yeah, so that that is a worry. But I just see Dan Ige's left hook knocking out Edson Barbosa um, at the end of the first or at the beginning of the second round. Uh, this fight I did do study on, although I could barely remember it because this is, again, at the beginning of the week, folks. Uh, Christoph Yoko, minus 147. Eric Anders, plus 127. I don't think the lines fluctuated too much. I don't disagree with Yoko being the favorite. But when you really go back at Yoko's um, resume, it's not that impressive uh you're not that impressive but you could really poke holes in it i guess i should say not that impressive it's very very rude um yoko's an overperformer, regardless however alan amadovsky was terrible folks um he didn't even come from a good pedigree don't let the amadovsky fool you he was macedonian and nothing wrong with my macedonian brothers and sisters Sheshkapishka. Uh, as I say something really disrespectful, because that's the only thing I know how to say in Macedonian. Um, but like, you know, or like, you know, Marc-Andre Burial, who that was a split decision, and justfully slow a split decision, you know? Like, I didn't like Yoko's um, output and certain things that he was doing in that fight. Um, he beats Talos Leides on the way out. Like, that was a really impressive win, but then you look at Leides kind of falling off a cliff and his career in totality. Um, I love the Barncat, man. His His... Fucking ring entrance will live in infamy at USC 91. You know, coming out coming out to some death metal, but Tamden McCrory's chin, we saw what happened to that. Um, he beats Bradley Scott and Scott Askham, you know. Regional standouts who kind of served their purpose and had their time. No disrespect, but, you know, right? Speaking of which, same thing, Torchrong. Uh, loses to Magnus Seaton in blood by guillotine choke. Um, beat Bro Bruno Santos. I mean, beat, beat Boyan Velichkovich and Demir Hadzovic outside the UFC, but, you know, Martin Zavada. But those guys are, like, weight classes below him. Uh, multiple weight classes below him and some of them. And those are some of his more impressive and proven names. Uh, you know, his middleweight's just freaking weird, man. Middleweight is just weird, you know. Um, I like Eric Anders, but I've also been not shy about, you know... Um, you know, I guess criticizing when it's called for, uh, or my, my, maybe not even criticizing, but p putting the appropriate confidence. Um, again, folks, you know, he's people forget, and and 
why people should be easy on criticizing or overly complimenting, which was the case early on, a guy like Eric Anders, because, dude, he gets shoved in there because of his athletic pedigree and the fact that he can perform so well. It almost works against you, right? Um, it almost becomes your detriment. Um, because at the UFC level, we know how they match make. You beat someone good, you know, you're in trouble. Look at Alex Hernandez, right? It's uh, all right. Oof, I'm running out of steam here. Um, but yeah, but at the, the same time, win or lose, Eric Anders has had more experience against higher level guys, even in technically less UFC fights. He's also had more experience beating and facing UFC level southpaws. He also trains with, um, a very good southpaw that we just noted in Walt Harris as one of his main training partners. So he's not shy on guys who can go southpaw. Yoko's got an underrated ground game, uh, but so does uh, Julian Marquez, who's also uh, moved down there and is one of the main was one of the main training partners for Eric Anders um, during this camp. So if Eric wants to exercise his ground skills, which by the way, don't underrate Eric Anders there because. I think he was like a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu before he even started fighting MMA. Like he started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, in the off time or the meantime with football. So like he's got, he's got more of an understanding of the ground than given than given credit for. So I don't see Yoko doing anything with him at all there, um, or really being able to take him down by looking at at the wrestling that he was doing. So uh, it's going to be a weird fight. It could be one of those weird splits because that's what Yoko's style can do. You know, the way he kind of dances around and whatnot. But uh, I'm guessing the good old forward pressure and power shots are going to get it done, especially because the judging we're getting in Florida is real basic. I mean, you got to draw shit and crayon for them to score. Score it in your favor. And drawing shit and crayon means just we're back in 2010. Is my opinion what I've seen with the judging of these events. So I'm gonna go with a guy moving forward, throwing heavy shots at Eric Anders at plus money, and I played him half a unit. Uh, all right, next fight. Um. <clears throat> uh, so I guess Song Yadong, even though Yadong is having um, visa issues, you know, trying to put the clamp clamp down on Yadong. I mean, the man's there. Yadong is physically there, and if Yadong is physically there, he should be allowed to perform. I mean, that's what I, that's the argument that I always make anyways. All right, Dan, no one's laughing at that. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm trying to, trying to get comedy back into this thing, folks. I'm trying. I'm not always a miserable cunt, or at least I'm trying to prove so. Hey, right? it sounds bad when an American accent, you got to say it in English. He's not always a miserable cunt, but we love him dearly. Uh, and Dan, that actually sounded much worse. Okay, I'm sorry. Marlon Vera, comeback, plus 160. Dude, I picked Yadong, so I gotta stick to Yadong. <laughs> you know? You know? Um, you gotta stick to your guns, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna stick by Yadong on this one. However, it could be easy to see Yadong getting out overworked and tired. You know? Um... Going a little flaccid in the third. Jesus, Dan, come on. And Cheeto, you know, uh, which which would allow Cheeto to, you know, sink some hooks in. And if not, earn a round in an already close fight or get a submission. 
that's the worry you got to hear worry here about Yudong because even though his right hand is gonna his counter right hand is gonna uh, I think he can hit Cheeto Vera as long as he wants to for the most part. If he doesn't put him away, which he, he might not be able to because Cheeto Vera is so damn tough. Um, and, you know, he doesn't scare him off. What happens then? Now, I think he can scare him off a bit. Uh, very similar to, uh, what do you call? Not just Lineker, but Mini Lineker. Uh, who's the guy with... That I always say he's got the funny Vitor mullet and he's got the cut. Someone needs to put a cut off a cut off denim jacket on him because he's got the fingerless gloves. <laughs> oh my God, Douglas De Silva D'Andrade. Yeah, um, like I, I I could see that happening to him as well. But uh, so yeah, um, we'll see. He's, he's come a long way. He's really improving. You know I'm a big fan of Cheeto Vera, um, but I'm gonna go with uh, the athletic, uh, the more uh, the more athletic and explosive Yadong. Uh, I think his counter right hand is gonna be able to scare him away, and I don't think he's gonna run into the same wrestling problems with Stammen. But if he gets into some scrambling scenarios like he did with Stammen, I do think he's in trouble to get submitted. He could be potentially uh, because I didn't like some of the decision making, especially being that he should be savvy to a lot of those things being coming from a submission savvy camp like team alpha male so we'll see if it was just a one-off performance thing from Yudong or what this one's on the avoid list though man i don't blame you for taking the dog here my heart's with the dog but i'm the pick is Yudong. um miguel baeza uh, my, minus 152 matt brown plus 132 I'll spare it. I'm just pretty much going to go with Matt Brown. It's just a bias homer pick. Surprise, surprise. Dan likes the old vet. Surprise, surprise. Um, you know, Baez looked good in the Contender Series. Uh, it's funny. I don't think... I think I actually picked Hector Aldana over him, which says something in itself. And yeah, he beat Aldana handily and proved me wrong, but... No offense, but he beat Hector Aldana. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... What does that say? Um, and under pandemic times, give me a savage like Matt Brown, uh, who rests probably would do this guy good. Um, I'll get Matt Brown by pressure. Late second round, third round stop. Let's go third round stoppage. I may even... <laughs> who knows? may even sprinkle that live if it looks like it's going there. Easy, Derek. Easy. Uh, Matt Brown, third round TKO. I played Matt Brown. It's fucking biased. Don't follow me off the cliff, folks. Clearly, I did a lot of tape study. Not. Um, all right. <laughs> Speaking of fights you bet and don't do tape study, it's now even Anthony Fluffy Hernandez versus Kevin Holland at minus 110. Uh, I think Hernandez was opened as the dog, I want to say. Let me see. I got it right here. Hernandez was opened as the dog and money came in. I get it. Um, if this is like, if we're going to use the weird fight archetype that is like Ben Rothwell and OSP, um, Holland is OSP. No, not because he's black, but because he fights the weirder of the two weirder guys, which is safe to say. And Fluffy Hernandez is pretty straightforward, actually. He's not really too weird um, in that sense uh, or anything. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 you know, he's got a potty mouth on him, but seems like a nice guy for what that's worth. So I'm not trying to, you know call him weird or anything in fact his style is very straightforward 
uh, and say what you will about Ben Rothwell, but Ben Rothwell's style is weird but straightforward. So maybe that's it. Yeah. However, um, and I saw this before, and he ended up getting caught with an anaconda, and I didn't bet it. Um, but yeah, Fluffy Hernandez won lost submission lost anaconda. That's something I saw in Contender Series. He's just really eager, and, and fights prior. He's really eager to give his head and neck. And uh, Kevin Holland, um, he threatened with it a lot, and we criticized because it cost him. However, Gerald Mearshart is a really good jiu-jitsu guy, folks, and hard to catch. Uh, but Kevin Holland, he doesn't just flash the guillotine. He actually has a good guillotine and has has a few finishes of it if you look earlier on in his career. And I think that this matchup is kind of just asking for that. Um, I think Kevin Holland can still be weird and score this guillotine, but at the same sense, he's even for as weird as he is, some part of him's got to go. Okay, um, the weirdness has cost me some fights, and it's made some fights really close. So they needed to be, then they needed to be arguably win or lose. Um, I gotta imagine he's got somewhat of a fire under his ass. He looks like he's in good shape in his Instagram. He's getting access to his gym. Um. So I'm actually going to go with Kevin Holland here, folks, to win. And I actually uh, sprinkled on Kevin Holland uh, by sub. Like I saw a number plus 600, and like that was my first inclination how I seen this fight ending. And I already kind of called that Fluffy was going to have to watch out for front chokes with his style if he doesn't fix something. So if he didn't fix something, well, I took that plus 600 shot for a quarter unit flyer to find out, folks. All right, um, next fight. Uh, Giga Chikadze minus three forty-five versus Erwin Rivera, late replacement, hopefully COVID-free at plus two eighty-five. I always forget to say about Giga Chikadze. He got bit, beat by my dude uh, Gil Gardado. That's his first fight, slash first loss. WSOF. Shouts to Gil, strength and conditioning coach, pro fighter, strength tour, all around good dude. Um. But I got Giga Chikatsi here. Um, I may or may not have sprinkled on some plus money by TKO. I think he gets a TKO by second round. Aaron Rivera looks like he likes to bang as well. Um, most wins, but not maybe not most, but half his losses also by knockout. Got to imagine that's the combination here, right? In short notice, I'm not willing to pay minus 345 to find out, but if you're going to put some plus money on an insider... By TKO prop, uh, even though Giga Chikatsi has been surprising people with his ground skills, um, I think it's Giga Chikatsi by TKO. Uh, Courtney Casey minus 150 versus Mara Romero Borel plus 132. Um, yeah, I think this one's, I think uh, as long as Casey doesn't get hurt with a body shot, um, because I think she's been hurt to the body before, and Mara Romero Borel, I think it's like one of the only, like, Good things, uh, good good strike she has is like a southpaw body kick. Again, I did not watch any tape for this fight, folks. I'm going off memory here. Um, so as long as she can avoid that, I see Courtney Casey's pressure beating Mara Romero Borel. Uh, and part of me wanted to like, tempted to just be like super degenerate, self-masochistic, uh, whatever, insane, whatever else you want to label me by just pairing Gadelia and Casey uh, for the... Uh, <laughs> Wow, I was going to use a really bad word there. Female chalk. I don't, we'll avoid another. We'll avoid the alliteration. And we'll just, yeah. Fe, FM, there we go. Female chalk. Or FC. Jesus, Dan. I'm sorry, folks. I have not been getting any sleep and all that fun stuff that you don't want to hear about. Um, or food. I've lost my appetite for food. Vanna, hot sock. 
Not Verna, but Lanva! Nathan Lanva! Plus 107. Darren Elkins, minus 127. To be honest, this is on my avoid list. To be honest, I think Darren Elkins probably should... I'm surprised the, the line's not a little higher in his favor, and you guys know I'm a Nate Landwehr fan. But between seeing Nate Landwehr get ice, um, like, dude, he could get rocked by Darren Elkins, who's got some underrated power. Uh, however, the reason why it's probably tighter, uh, Nate Landwehr used to wrestle himself, and he's got some good get-up ability. Which is why me and many probably took uh, some ill-advised shots against um, the Hino's brother uh, and bet against him when he fought Burns. Oh, here comes Stink Tink. I think Brownie's coming in that room. Uh, my dog. Uh, the pup doesn't let me get asleep. She just, dude, she's like just over six months and she's about 60 pounds and she opens doors now. It's fucking nuts. Um, so yeah, she just comes and sees me whenever she damn pleases. Where's my money? Um, what the fuck was I talking about? Yeah, so, yeah, Nate Landwehr and his get-up ability. So maybe that's why it's tighter. But it's just tough, man. And props to Cher. I don't know if he was the best example of this, but we see it like with guys like the Big Bens of the world. Like, certain styles, say what you will about them, ugly or not, the ugly styles, the less technical guys, they tend to age better. And uh, Darren Elkins' style and Darren Elkins' spirit has all the recipe to keep aging forever like wine. So I am not going to bet that the bottom drops out on Darren Elkins. I've done that way too many times I've been burned. So that's probably why I'm going to go against my favorite guy here, which is Nathan Lanva. There's no easy way. Uh, and I think it's going to be a frustrating loss. And I think we'd be silly to pretend anything less. Um, but it's on my avoid list. All right, next fight, also dead even, minus 110. Uh, Dante Mays. Dante Willie Hayes Mays. Ursh Rodrigo. Nascimento from Contender Series, who I gave an A because he upset. Uh, well, he didn't upset. He actually was uh, facing a live dog. But... He uh, used a bad positional choice, took advantage of it, and finished the fight by submission. And if you'll look through Dante Almeida's highlights, he'll make some questionable choices here and there, despite being the more experienced MMA guy on paper. Therefore, I will take the jiu-jitsu guy, Nascimento, by submission to win. And um, I may or may not have even sprinkled on Nascimento by sub. Uh, a flyer, though, folks. So I think that's how it's going to go down. All right, going to recap, pick some plays here. How long did we go today? Fucking hell. Under an hour at least. All right. From the top, taking Walt Harris over Alistair Overeem. Taking Claudia Cachelia over Angela Hill. Taking Dan Ige over Edson Barbosa. Taking your boy, Eric Anders, over Christoph Yutko. Taking your dong. <laughs> Easy. Don't get that drop. Taking Song Yadong. Over Marlon Vera, although my heart will be with Vera. Taking Matt Brown over Miguel Baeza. Taking Kevin Holland over Anthony Hernandez. Taking Chikadze over Erwin Rivera. Taking Courtney Casey over Mara Romero Borella. Taking Darren Elkins over Nate Lanva. Tis against my better judgment. Taking Rodrigo Nascimento over Dante Willie Mays Hayes. Hayes. Um, no parlays for me. Played Ige, it's biased. Don't follow me off the cliff. Plus 140 for one unit. Played Anders, plus 127 for half unit. Played Brown, 
biased old man veteran violence pick. Don't gotta follow me off that cliff. Plus 132 and half a unit. Props took Holland by sub. I sprinkled on that. Plus 600. Also think Nascimento by sub at plus 170, and I believe you can still get plus 150 for by TKO. Uh, maybe worth a sprinkle. On the avoid list, Elkins Landwer and Vera Yadong. That's right, Yadong is on the avoid list. Sorry, folks. Keep swiping. That's all for here, though. Hopefully, uh, you guys are, <laughs> are remaining in good spirits, and uh, hopefully this was of some use. Thank you for sitting through my nonsense once again. Hopefully it wasn't that painful. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect the enemy.